you are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, as always, your host, Jeff Lloyd, here for your Cleveland Browns podcast, your team every day, every day, guys. So, you know, look, I mean, we took Saturday off. Okay. You can cut me a little slack here. It was a busy week. Had to recharge the batteries. Um, we are here for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Guys, your constant reminder, um, get in the car, ask the stereo, play podcast, Locked On Browns, get that brought up for you here. Um, we are going to do mailbag style here tonight with Pete, St- uh, Pete Smith. we got some great questions. Obviously, you know, I, I, I know some of you guys are starting to get a little bit nervous about the cap, seeing what Kansas City is going through. We'll get into that and we'll start breaking that down. Um, some other things to get to. We're, this is a huge week of pro days. And for some of these guys, yeah, very big. For some of these guys, not so big. But there's some names here that we don't have numbers on yet. And we're going to start with a, a show favorite. He's been on the show here. Uh, a guy we really like um, from Temple University. Um, but Pete, last couple of days, uh, you know, been kind of calm and quiet as far as you know the free agency front. Um, guys, one thing I will tell you is Darren Lee is definitely somebody on the Cleveland Browns radar. Um, there's talks there. The question is, you know, how it's going to work. Could uh, Emmanuel Ogba be involved? Things of that nature. But Darren Lee, and this is something that it, it, it's real. There, there, there's a lot of legs to it. Um, talking about a guy who ran a four-four-seven at his pro day. Obviously, the Jets are kind of done. They're going to go to a three-four. Uh, there's no way uh, he's going to fit inside. With uh, obviously, you know. Uh, Mosley there, uh, Avery Williamson, they're content. Um, it's a guy they're going to move because he's not going to play an edge position for them. But we'll get into all that and more some. Um, Pete, first off, how you been? And, you know, Michael Dogbay, and this is a guy we kind of liked here. And, you know, maybe after today, maybe puts his name in the realm of, you know, first guy off the board who did not get that NFL Combine invite. Right. Um Michael Dogbay is, you know, a good guy, easy to root for. You're happy when he does well type guy. Um, obviously, he's been on the show. Um, you know, he was a guy who didn't get invited to the Combine, which felt like, a, you know, a massive oversight. Um, and today he did nothing to suggest that that wasn't the case. He um, ran fast, uh, jumped far, had had reasonable change of uh, direction stuff, and and you know, from what we've heard, um, was exactly sort of the personality that he was when he was on here. He's just a, a, a good dude at a, a very nice school, uh, there for the right reasons and a really talented football player who's sort of, you know, he's sort of the embodiment of what that program has, has been and is trying to be in terms of, you know, that tough mindset and hard work and all that stuff. Uh, and you know, you get down to, the numbers part of this and really dog bay is what many of us were hoping that Draymond Jones was going to be, you know, he, he is a quick guy. He's got good strength. Uh, you know, guy who can play that three technique is undersized. He's 284 pounds at six, three, um, as somebody who can get into the backfield and cause some issues. Um, and he's just a dog effort type of guy. Like he is a yep, guy who has will make it. Name. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he's a guy who will make you know a share of plays um, on the Temple tape, and I assume for an NFL team just because he just keeps playing, um, goes to the whistle, and does a lot of things where you're just you know it's it, you, you you can watch him and and I and I heard this from somebody today who was saying you know he, he I kept. My eye kept being drawn to Michael Dogbay as I was trying to watch Rocky Sin, the corner from Temple. It's just because he keeps going. And, you know, I think, you know, I've, I've made this comparison before. I, I do think he's the blue collar at Oliver. It, you know, if you can't, you know, you're not going to be in the top 10, or God forbid he makes it out of there. Um, and, and you're talking about a guy who theoretically could go to the end of day two, but probably more like a day three guy. Uh, and you like that sort of skill set, and you really like, you know, the idea of plugging that type of guy behind Sheldon Richardson, as we, you and I both do. You know, once you get into, you know, day three, it becomes a wild west. You like a guy, you better grab him because you just never know when when guys are going to be there. Um, but he certainly has put himself firmly in the mix of guys that the Browns should be looking at, hopefully are looking at, uh, and and we shall see. 
uh, where where this goes with him. But uh, he has done his job uh, athletically. He's done his job on the tape, and now it's basically you know somebody needs to to put him in their camp. The thing with a guy like him is, you know, the effort is what is there. Um, you know, obviously a redshirt guy, and so he's you know a little bit older. You know, so you know, obviously you know third round pick is probably the sweet spot, probably a top ninety, top one hundred type of player. Um, but this is things you do draft wise. It's you know, if I can't get this guy here, who can I get that's a little bit similar, a little bit later on, and that's where a guy like Michael Dalbe comes in. Um, you respect the guy. He, you know, went to college, and everything that he did there was good. You know, and he got involved. I mean, you know, Temple took him and some other players, sent him to Japan, and teach you know people there about the game and things of that nature. Uh, the only thing we don't have is a vertical jump, and I, I've talked with a bunch of guys there. Apparently, that was done away from the media. Um, you know, whether it was a great number or not, I don't think it matters because the most uh, everything else he put up was fantastic. And normally, you can usually equate vertical I mean you can equate broad and vertical but all the numbers that he put up were great and he's just a guy you like a guy you root for um you know loves the Italian food uh so you know he does make it to Cleveland you know so you guys are gonna have to point him out at the good restaurants um but a guy I like and this is what you want you want rotational pieces in here and you know to start him off as a rookie 15 20 reps you know get Larry some bread you know some re- some plays off get Sheldon some plays off you know, he can kick outside if he absolutely needed to, if he were to pinch, if somebody was down. Good player. Uh, just, you know, that's where you put it at. The scouting report is solid player. Pretty good athlete. He's going to give you everything he's got. Those are guys you're looking for when you're filling out the end of the roster. But, Pete, this is now a this is a key week, pro day-wise. And um, the Alabama guys, uh, it's time. We need to see some stuff, and we need to see these guys work out. Right. Uh, today's the or tomorrow is the day. Tomorrow, uh, when you're listening to this, uh, Tuesday, then you know the 19th, uh, Alabama, boom, noon. And obviously, this is always a big event. But you know, other than uh, you know, I, I'm, other than Queen Williams, who only did you know a couple things. You know, Alabama did not test much um, at the combine. You know, obviously the. Jacobs is the big draw in terms of the guys who are likely to go very high, but Deontay Thompson did not do anything at the combine. He's a guy that some people think is, you know, late first, early second type guy. I'm not there with him, uh, but he it, it would be great if he does well because it adds another, you know, guy in that safety mix of the bronzer in the market, like I hope they are, uh, that could potentially push another guy down. Um, they've got Christian Miller, who is a guy who pretty decent pass rusher was very productive in that sense. Um, but injuries have hurt him. And obviously he left, um, in the playoffs with an injury and, you know, he, I don't think he's done anything in terms of testing. So it's a big day for all these guys. And, you know, you have to, it has to happen. Like there's no extra day to, to fix these things. You know, like a, a guy like Rocky Sin, for example, um, had a chance today to sort of address a couple numbers. In his case, the three cone and the shuttle uh, were not, you know, where he wanted them, and he retested those. He had that ability to take another hack at it. And, you know, teams, you know, have to decide what number they like, but, you know, I'm going to give the kid the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to take the lower one. Um, now that comes with some qualifications. Like if it's LSU, I know they're running downhill on a 37 yard track. <laughs> then you have to sort of factor that in. Wait, you um, mean Jamal Adams didn't go from a four, five, five to a four, three, three. The, the litany of the litany of guys who have managed to go back to Baton Rouge and just magically woken up faster is, um, is distinguished. It's but so looking. yeah, it's, it's Alabama's a big day tomorrow. That's going to be the main event. But the other one, for us, uh, I, I, there are a bunch of big pro days tomorrow. Penn State's another big pro day. Um, you know, I will continue to make fun of them. Uh, and, and James Franklin, he recruits unbelievable athletes. Uh, I don't know why they don't do more meaningful winning than they do. If they want to be, you know, they can win 30 games in three years and beat Michigan once and lose the other by a combined 74 points. So be it. Um that's a big day. They've got some really nice a- athletes, as that has been their trademark. Um, I, this this year, 
between the combine and just regular testing has been nuts as far as the Big Ten is concerned. They have absolutely delivered on that on, uh, athletically. And then the other one that is, you know, big to us um, because of the whole fiasco with his combine invite being rescinded is Louisiana Tech, which means Jalen Ferguson, um, the talented pass rusher uh, who production-wise, tape-wise, has a ton of things you love. And we were just waiting on the athletic piece. And, you know, he was all set to do everything at the Combine. And then this whole issue comes up with his arrest and at McDonald's in, in a fight with another guy, you know, whatever. And they ultimately decided, you know, chalk this up to their violence policy that he, he, he could do everything but the testing. So that becomes a big day for him. And... You know, you know whether buzz is real or, or you know this is you know something that only re- we really talk about. You know, he has a guy that went from I think first round um, buzz coming out of the Senior Bowl to you know falling off a little bit because all these other guys tested and, and came up really well. You know, obviously a guy like Montez Sweat had the you know absurd combine that you know everybody's talking about him or guys like brian burns who had a great day or a guy like uh polite who had an awful day um meanwhile Jalen ferguson's sort of just sitting there and now he's a guy you talk about in the second round um so if for whatever if he tests like he should and for whatever reason he's still a forgotten entity and he's sitting down there at 49 and you know the browns are just sitting there going he's a great player and we can't have too many pass rushers he becomes a real conversation and certainly not a bad thing especially if they do ultimately move on uh to get you know move up move a guy like emmanuel agba potentially for a guy like darren lee it opens up you know that avenue or you know duke johnson is a trade piece where they move on draft day there's a lot of moving parts where suddenly you know Dorsey's aim always seems to be be able to take the best player available. Is there a scenario where you know Jalen Ferguson is the best player available at forty nine? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, you know this is pro days. Are, you know this month sort of just sort of glides by, and there's a couple big days, and you know it felt like, in, in, particularly in Cleveland, Oklahoma's pro day was a nothing day um, because we the Browns have their quarterback, but at the same time, it was also because of the way it fell on the day for tampering to start and it just seemed like it got completely wiped out by everything that was going on uh, but this tomorrow feels like a big day in terms of those pro days and, and performance and i don't know if espn's carrying it but they tend tend to do that or, or nfl network so a lot will happen tomorrow that will will shape this draft process and 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 it may get some results that suddenly you know, you, Jeff and I are going to get tweets about, well, what do you think about this guy? What if he, he lands here and all that type of stuff, which is which is great. So, you know, we'll see how they well, how they change the landscape. Um, and this is where it goes. You know, Jacobs is the anointed number one running back in this class. And I, I'll be honest, this, you know, of this running back class, Pete, I mean, to be the number one, I mean, I don't know if that's anything to, you know, write home about. But it's time. We're going to need to see it. Uh, Deontay Thompson is another one. Uh, the thing with Jalen Ferguson, and guys, we'll continue to reiterate this, nobody who's played Division One college football has ever had more, so- more sacks than him. Um, his brother tested very, very well. Um, and look, I mean, you know, if you threw a punch at McDonald's three years ago, four years ago, whatever it is, I don't think any GM this day and age is really going to care about that we know the GM for the Cleveland Browns is not going to care about that. May even be a bump. Unfortunately, <laughs> it wasn't at a woman, so it may hurt him a little bit, but we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there is that possibility as well. But he goes out there, puts together a solid effort, and it may be a little bit a tough spot for him because if he's testing on a day where a, a bunch of other bigger schools are, you know, obviously La Tech is not going to draw the pro day guys that everybody else is. And I'll be honest, guys, I will go on Twitter tomorrow and I will say uh, who do I need to be following and looking for to get results from the Louisiana Tech Pro Day because it's not your normal thing. Um, yeah, because everybody's going to be in driving distance to the Alabama one. And, and if you're, <laughs> if you're, you know, and certainly La Tech will have local people who are covering it and, and reporters. And we'll, and maybe we'll find they, some guy who's from like the Shreveport Times or whatever, but we'll find somebody. Picayune uh, may not even be in business anymore. But in any case, if you're if you're a person who's you know living around that area, you're you're like Emory Hunt, who's you know that's 
home base for him in terms of where his mom lives. That might be um, the guy to ask, actually. If you know, if you're able to go to a pro day that day, chances are you know you're going to go to the one in Tuscaloosa because there's more there. Um, so we'll see. But you know that that may overshadow him, but somehow, some way, we'll we'll find some numbers on him, and and I expect he will do well. But yeah, I mean, it's, if you're down in that region, certainly uh, Alabama's the story. Yes, but also if you're somebody at La Tech tomorrow, you got a chance to make a name for yourself. And Emery Hunt, who's now a Jersey guy, he's going to be, you know what? Actually, that's going to be the guy I'm going to reach out tomorrow. He's going to know somebody at Latai Pro Day. Because let's just, who are we kidding? Emery Hunt knows everybody everywhere. So that's the hardest working man. It's hardest working man in football. He's pretty damn well dressed, too. Pretty damn well dressed. Um, guys, with <laughs> if you're listening over on Apple and on iTunes, uh, guys, the uh, five stars rating, uh, ratings and reviews, crucial, helps the show grow. Um, it's been a tremendous look. The Odell spike has been huge for anybody Cleveland-related. Um, the apparel companies, the guys doing the T-shirts and stuff, obviously anybody covering this team. You already had the lightning rod in Baker. You had the lightning rod in Miles Garrett. You add Odell to this. I mean, just crazy stupid. But do me a favor. Uh, go on over to, if you are an iTunes listener, five-star uh, five ratings, reviews, written reviews, all that stuff. Take care of that for me now, guys. Appreciate it kindly. All right, this is one that's starting to get to everybody a little bit here. Um, we're getting salary cap questions already. And, look, obviously it's not going to be an issue for the 19th season, but there's ways to alleviate this cap. And, guys, there's so many things. Guys, look what the Philadelphia Eagles do. But there's so many ways to make the cap money disappear quickly and I know everybody's getting a little nervous, and I understand once you look around and there's you know great players everywhere, there's you can get around this. You really can. It's easy to manipulate the cap. Um, there are some guys in the front office who are capable of this. You know, John's more of a let me get the talent. You guys all figure out the rest. You the nerds that type of theory, and we know it exists. But those guys are there for a reason. There is reason to be worried. Um, and that's because, you know, he just did this in, in Kansas City. He acquired a bunch of talent and then he couldn't pay for it uh, because he did it, you know, he, he signed some really bad contracts, notably Justin Houston, Eric Berry. And, and now they're paying the price for that. And they had they had a year where they basically had to freaking eat it. But defensively. Never, they, I mean, one thing is you never know with Eric Berry because a lot of it was he played three games in two years. Uh, Houston, it was the injuries. D Ford. You know, Kansas City's better off. I mean, you didn't want to pay that. That's all fine, but I mean, you know, look, there's no question it could have been done better than it was. I think, you know, I think at one point they were paying Eric Berry, maybe this year, was technically on the hook for $24 million. I mean, that's insane. Having said that, you know, that's hopefully, you know, a lesson learned for John Dorsey and having, uh, Paul D. Podesta and having, you know, the people in Berea that can hopefully guide him to the, the through the numbers, this isn't a problem. And to his credit, the contracts they've negotiated have given them a lot of avenues to get out of this, if you want to say it's a potential problem. You know, we, we've laid out, you know, into next year there are five players the Browns could, could cut or trade that create, based right now, you know, about $32.6 million, million worth of cap room. Now the question is, and those players are Jarvis Landry, Chris Hubbard, Chris Kirksey, uh, uh, TJ Carey, and uh, Chris Smith. Now, they don't have to cut all of them. They can certainly pick and choose. Um, but the issue is if they don't cut any of them, and then, you know, then you get in that. But the, the avenues are there to get out. The problem in Kansas City is they literally wrote themselves into a corner. Um, so on the one hand, you're, you're, you're basically saying, look, John Dorsey's had problems with this before. There's reason to be concerned. The hope is he's learned from it. He trusts in the people that are in that building that understand what to do with this. And then at some point, you know, you basically get to a point where you have to say, look, we have to do this, this, and this to make it go from a two-year window to – the full four years of Baker Mayfield's, you know, the rest of his rookie deal, and then into life after that rookie deal where you're paying, you know, potentially 
Beckham, Miles Garrett, and uh, Baker Mayfield something like thirty-five percent of your cap if they maintain it. It's it's they are okay for the next two years. It's what happens beyond that, and and obviously you want to have four great bites at the apple for the Super Bowl because this is the time you make it happen. That four-year deal on the rookie deal, which is why love him or hate him, the way Sashi did it made it work because if you had Carson Wentz, you'd only have two more years on that deal. You can call it luck, whatever. But here we are where you've got four years on a what looks to be a, a phenom of a quarterback on that deal where you know I think some of this, uh, the deals they made, like Olivier Vernon and, and Odell Beckham were just you know, I think John Dorsey was somewhat honest when he went on uh, Cleveland Browns Daily and basically said, "Look, we plan for you know scenarios A through Z, and 99% of them don't happen." And I think in this case, he just it just sort of hit on one and, and fed into the other. Uh, that you know they found these options, so they've got their team, you know, these big pieces together to make that run. Now, I don't think they necessarily are thinking we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. But they, I do think they are thinking they can make a huge run, um, win the division, hopefully get a lot of those mis- you know learning mistakes out of the way, and do it all while having those pieces in place, as opposed to, you know, for example, getting Olivier Vernon next year or getting Odell Beckham next year, where you now you're trying to th- you know figure out how these guys integrate and all that. You've got a year to sort of figure those things out. So the the, the paths are there to get out of it. It's on Dorsey and company to. Use them. Um, it's not going to be a situation where they basically write themselves into a corner, which is the most important thing. So they are in a good situation. It's not you need to panic and run. And it's not a situation if you're sitting there going, well, they're not going to be able to pay Joe Schobert this coming year. They're not going to be able to pay Larry Ogunjobi the next year. They'll be fine as long as they are honest with themselves about what where they are with cap wise. And, you know, Replacing a guy like Chris Smith shouldn't be the end of the world after a year. You know, Chris <laughs> Hubbard might be a little more difficult um, because they are probably going to have to replace two tackles next year. Chris Kirksey's an easy one. I mean, I love Chris Kirksey the person, but Chris Kirksey the player the last couple of years, and some of this is on the coaching, has not been where he needs to be. And you're telling me you get seven point five five million dollars next year. That's you know that's easy. That's an easy decision to me. And you can get another linebacker whether it's this year, um, later in the draft, or next year as a higher priority, um, that you've got some of those options. Yeah, I mean, it just comes down to, you know, you have to, uh, you know, you know, manipulate things and, you know, keep the core intact. Hello. And, I'm and Pete's getting ready for his next substitute teaching job. Yes. <laughs> but, um, guys, this is the way it works. This is the way it works. And we keep it real. We've had John Costco's kids here. Jake Burns' baby made an appearance. Um, you manipulate the cap the way you need to manipulate it. Um, look, it's going to you know go around the stars. Uh, keep in mind you're paying a running back in Nick Chubb nothing. Duke um, Johnson, that will create $5 million right there. Um, David Njoku still makes no money. And that will be paying anything in a tight end position. Um, Jarvis Landry, that would be a guy you're going to move on from, whether Rashard, you know, how that all works out. Rashard Higgins is obviously somebody. So these are all scenarios that we're going to continue to play with the scenario um, as far as, you know, manipulating the cat and the roster. But, I mean, guys, if you get yourself to where you need to be, and look, if anybody in Kansas City is complaining about the cap, you should have won the AFC Championship game if you had started a little earlier. So whether or not you would have won the Super Bowl, who knows? And who cares? Get yourself to the grand spot and then figure that nonsense out later. Um, now, this is a fun one, Pete, and it keeps coming back to this one here. And Josh Smith, um, the win total. I'm, I, I almost think the road schedule looks better than the home schedule. But the 2019 win total, God. I'm at 12. Um, yeah. And and it's, that's it's 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 very north of ten. There's no doubt about it. Um, and and I'm basically allowing my. I basically I thought about this because I saw the question. I was thinking eh, maybe eleven. Basically, what I'm saying is it's twelve, and and I think it could fluctuate two wins either way. And yes, I that means the Browns conceivably could go fourteen and two. Um, what always, I I mean because there's always that in the back of your mind. There's the spit the bit game where just freaking nothing went right. 
that's my that's that's my concern where the Browns could go. You know, I, I think 12 and four makes sense and that they will have some stupid game. They have no business losing on the road. I go back to I go, I go to the Patriots losing the Detroit last year. I go to the Bills beating Minnesota in Minnesota last year. There's always one of those that nobody sees coming and everybody lose their office pool or, you know, God forbid, you big gamblers. You lose a lot because of that that week. Right. Like, uh. The Steelers do it every year. There's always some absolutely embarrassing game. They have no business losing that they lose. Um, that's one area of this. I do think the Browns, um, in a couple ways, one, have to learn how to win. And it's not that they have to learn how to win so much in terms of just getting wins and losses. It's going to be learning how to basically score seven before you score 35. Um because they do have the capability of being that explosive an offense where they can just the wreck people. The Raiders yeah. this year. They have the potential to just absolutely maul people in the way that they played the Falcons last year. The problem is if if you get so far ahead, and, and we talked about this with Baker Mayfield last year, and that you know, trying to make twenty point throws, you know, rather than, than settling for the you know, yeah, Houston's a good example, Denver's another good example. Um that that because they have all this talent, because they have all this expectation, that they basically don't make the right plays. They make the big. They try to make big plays, which lead to stupid turnovers, which lead to you know just bad habits and those type of things. That's certainly on the players themselves, certainly on the coaching staff. And then the other part is is you know you have a bad injury of some sort somewhere in the group. Hopefully it's not the entire season, but if you have somebody, you know, substantial miss a, a, a significant portion of time. Give an example, uh, you know, Jarvis Landry or uh, no, uh, Odell Beckham misses, you know, four games with a hamstring or something like he has the couple pa- because couple you're years. so accustomed to him being that guy and getting the twelve to fifteen targets, where that's not something you you saw over the last, you know, the second half of last year where everybody kind of ate. But now you grew so accustomed to Odell doing the heavy work. Now, exactly. I mean, it's a great point there because now, you know, can we go back to what we were doing before a guy like like Odell came here? Or a guy like, you know, Nick Chubb goes down for a few weeks. You know, that's, you know, or, or Joe Schobert goes down or whatever where you lose a big piece you have to find a way to get through a couple weeks and you, and you lose a game because you don't have that player. Miles Garrett misses a couple of games, whatever. Um, you know, the Browns had remarkable injury luck last year, particularly along the offensive line. Um, you know, if somebody goes down there, Batonio goes down for a few games. You know, obviously they got Eric Cush. It seems like a nice signing um, for that. But, you know, whatever Eric Cush gives you, he's obviously not Batonio. And, and, you know, you can get through it, but are you, you know, do you thrive in that situation? They have to be able to learn to deal with some of those things, and that could be a spot where they lose a couple games. So I'm putting them at 12-4. and four. I think if everything fires on all cylinders and, and it's even you know as good or even better than people sort of imagine, you know, where, where, where Mayfield's throwing to uh, Beckham and, and Njoku and, and Chubb's running all up and down the field and, and, and it becomes a highlight situation and the defense is just killing people at the front – four that hopefully comes a nice front seven uh, of defensive linemen just eating the quarterback that you can go 14 and two. I mean, you look at a team like the Colts, you know, going from three and 13 to 13 and three um, that everything hit right. You know, Peyton Manning goes from struggling that rookie year to getting Adrian James that, that next year, Marvin Harrison hitting on all cylinders and they just take off. The potential is absolutely there for that. Um, So yeah, that's uh, 12 and four seems about right. The other part of this is the division is not great. Um, you know, the Bengals are going to be awful. Uh, that you know that could be that could be the team where the, you know the Browns play down to and lose in Cincinnati type ugliness. But the Steelers are going to be they're not going to be great, but they're not going to be as good in my opinion. And and maybe they'll surprise me because the Steelers and they never die. The Ravens, I think, are in for a rude awakening. Um, maybe their offense is just plain not planning to throw the ball, which is why they don't have anyone who can catch it. Um, <laughs> but, and, and I love what, I love what they have on defense, but they lose a huge player in CJ Mosley. And you have no idea what you're going to get out of that passing game next year. 
you know, does Mark Ingram really do anything that's that great? I don't think so. So it's all there for them, and 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 the, you know, dealing with the expectations and the pressure with that. That's part of it, but I, I don't think, at least Baker Mayfield, I don't think he that that's going to face him remotely. It's more along the lines are you know, is is, is he going to get in the habit of trying to score 50 before he can score 14? Um, you know, what happens when they get in tough games and those type of things? It's, it's there um, to have a monster year, and now they have to actually prove it. Well, I think part of it is is the youth all just coming together. Um, you know, and the Browns with, I guess it was two players over 30 is what everybody's trying to say. It's, is if everybody here and committed to, and is it not so, so much the, the fun of it all and greatness everywhere is the commitment to actually getting everything that needs to be done to go 12 and four, to go 13 and three, to go 14 and two, is that going to happen? And with Freddie Kitchens running it, who, you know, this is it now. He is the head coach. And it's a tough spot for Freddie because, look, it, it, it was a nice story now that he's the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. But now it's, bro, the expectations are off the freaking rails for a guy like him. So, look, if everybody can mesh together, yeah, this should be a serious, serious, great run. And, you know, week in, week out, knocking dudes off the block. But you've got to do it, and that's the thing. You the pressure is on, and it, it like unlike any other time since this franchise has been back after you know the you know the model and everything moved on down to you know, Baltimore. This is it. I mean, there are legit expectations, and whether it's us here who cover this team, you know, Cleveland wise and you know Brown wise, and now the big media is in. Um, if they don't get, win this division, I mean, everybody's going to clap back. There's just no way around that. But you have to, the product's got to be there. And you've got to find a way to sure up every single nook and cranny. And guys, I know you keep asking the questions. And I don't know if you're going to be able to fill every stinking hole before you know this team takes the field in week one. No team usually fills every hole going into it. You hope for it, and you hope to feel confident about it, but it's really hard to, you know, cover every sieve of a, of a, of a roster. It's it's it, not supposed to happen. I mean, that's the salary cap is supposed to prevent that from happening. Which leads us to this here, uh, Hellhound. Uh, now he's been a a faithful listener, faithful, uh, faithful listener, great supporter. Um, the question is, as far as you know, linebacker. And look, guys, this is where we're at now. Linebacker question, safety question. This is where we're at. And look, I mean, you're hoping more can be done here. I understand. I truly do. But uh, linebacker question, we've talked about this. Durant, Darren Lee is, is somebody they have interest in. Um, safety here. But, guys, there still is the draft. And, look, there can be a great spot for a rookie, whatever spot, whether it's linebacker or safety, to come in here. And produce because if there's a lot of good around them, but Pete, linebacker safety. Uh, to me, safety's the bigger hole. Safety's more important. Um, I'm love Kindred in his role, but I don't know if you want to give him every rep week in week out. Right, I... and uh, and I think Kindred should be a factor. He just can't be the only factor. Um, it look, I'm trusting Steve Wilkes to basically, you know, I'm. I'm I'm looking at what he did in Carolina versus what he did in Arizona. And in both cases, he put the best players on the field and figured it out around them. That's you know, that's all I ever want from a coach. Um, he went from having three linebackers on the field, the most of any team in the league, second was the Browns that year, to almost never having even you know two linebackers on the field most of last year with Arizona. Uh, they, certainly never three. A lot of five DB sets, a lot of six DB sets, because that's what he had, um, and you play to your talent. So, if if it's an objective question, would I rather have a safety or a linebacker? I'm going to take a safety. Um, they can do more, and and certainly, you know, it's like easy to point. It, it's certainly easy to point to, um, you know, the San, San Diego Chargers and what they did to the Ravens last year. They just put a ton of safeties on the field. Um, there's just more use of them. That doesn't mean they can't 
theoretically address both. Um, you know, we shall see how many draft picks we have left by the time we get to the NFL NFL draft in a month. But Chris Kirksey is, you know, unless something miraculous happens, uh, he's going to start. I just can't get away from the idea that they're going to put $8 million on the bench um, with everything he brings. I do think he's more talented than people think. I do think he got dragged down significantly by the coaching staff. And I do think part of this is going to be Chris Kirksey taking a look in the mirror and going, if not now, when in terms of, you know, if I, you know, I've had great years in the past, but if I can't do it this year, then maybe I, I don't belong here. And, and I've ne- never had reason to question his work ethic, which is why I think he will have an effective year. Um, and, and obviously Joe Schobert's the other one. But if, if I can live with two linebackers on the field. Now the question is ultimately going to be, in 2020, who are those two linebackers? Obviously, Jeff had a dream that uh, the, that those linebackers would be Joe Schobert and Devin Bush. Um, and and maybe Devin Bush will rob a liquor store by at gunpoint and be there at 49. But I'm not betting on it. Um, He's got so, NFL money. He grew up well. He doesn't have to do that. So, so, so I, I, I think we are looking at mid and late round picks. And I do think, look, I have said, and I continue to believe, um, you know, I see Khalil Hodge test like dog shit and I cross him on the, off the list. I, I, I love his game, but I can't justify the numbers. That was it. That was it. I remember sending him the message. It was just like, uh, I mean, like Khalil Hodge. I mean, here's a guy with production off the stinking freaking board. Three years, three years of good stuff. And then you see the test numbers, and you're like, "Well, you know, I think my grandma at 87 might be able to match those." Uh, T.J. Edwards has three years of very st- strong production at Wisconsin. Based on the numbers I've seen, I don't know if they're official or anything. They look like shit. I- I'm moving on. Yep. The, the the same point is a guy like Drew Lewis from Colorado. His numbers uh, athletically make you go back and look, and you can find production for him where it works, and you like his tape, and, and you add him NFL to the list. Bloodlines was it Bucky Brooks or Charles Davis? One of them he's related to. Well, I hope it's. I it's hope one, it's one of the two. The it's good one, one of the two. Um, but uh, the good one. Uh huh. And a guy like uh, Jordan is it Jordan Jones from Kentucky, Cardinal Mooney kid. Um, you know, his sophomore year, he's really productive. Somebody immediately sent me a tweet that said he had issues with the coaching staff. I don't know what's true or what isn't. Athletically, he was very impressive, and he's got production there. So, yes, at the same time, I'm looking at guys, and I'm crossing them off the list. I'm also finding guys where I'm adding them to the list. So we're, we're okay, and there's a bunch of Mac linebackers left to test. Brad Koenig from Miami is one I'm really looking forward to because he's great on tape. Um, but it's the same deal. It, safety and linebacker, there are a ton of options in the draft. Obviously, you know, we've talked about a few of them. Um, but, you know, a guy like Saquon Hampton, you know, from Rutgers, we can help this guy get out of that that place, that place that is New Jersey. Help this kid out. Um, Wait, what? And, and <laughs> we can help a kid get out of New Jersey and into a better space like the Cleveland area. Uh, who is a really, really talented safety, and, and, and I don't know where NFL teams have him, but he's starting to catch on more with in terms of people that are, are catching eyes now. As I mentioned before, the Big Ten has had a really big, big day in terms of really big year in terms of combine and stuff like that. But he's a really remarkably talented uh, individual on a garbage team um, that could come in and play, you know, free safety position, uh, has some size, has some athleticism. There's, there's a lot of guys. Um, Michigan State strong safety is another option if they don't get somebody early. But as long as they have draft picks, there will be options. And, you know, they, they, they may not have the immediate rate of return that people want, but I, I do think they can position themselves. And, again, as much as people are super, super excited and every reason to be for 2019 – this is also about 2020, 2021, and 2022. Even if they don't fill every hole this year, they're hopefully going to put themselves in position where maybe some of those holes get filled by the end of the year or maybe some of those holes get filled by next year and that this year helps illuminate where those holes are that they need to address even after they've added all those talent, that they can really make that big run and and, and make that big push. So. Safety is more important than the linebacker, but I, I genuinely believe the Browns can get both. Uh, you mentioned Darren Lee. 
Sure. George I. Loke is still sitting out there. Um, he's been a pain in the ass for the Browns. Our boy in, in the AF, uh, our boy in the AAF, Pete, Darren Smith, Teron Smith. Teron Smith, who was on the Browns, and, and I loved him, you know, on the Browns in, in Cincinnati and at Fresno State before that is a guy who can who can play. Uh, Jamar Summers, the corner from the A, uh, my Birmingham Iron, uh, <laughs> got off the schneid this week. Um you know there there are options and linebackers another one where it's you don't need to have a superstar to get enough production. God knows we found that out with the likes of Craig Robertson and those guys in the past. And Craig Robertson's had a, has had a nice career, but you don't need superstars. You have one uh, in that level. You have a star type player in Joe Schubert. You just need another guy who can do his job. So it's there for them. You know, there's still options to 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 play with to look at. Um, that they can improve on. And, and I'm sure John Dorsey's still looking um, at trade options, which is why I'm almost scared to publish anything, because I'm, I think immediately he's going to turn around and do something to completely invalidate what I'm writing, uh, that he's you know made another move. Uh, so it's there. Well, and th- this is what you're looking for. And guys, look, um, not all of this has to be solved before the draft. Um, if you can get in the linebacker, if you can get in the safety, that's fine. And like, and like Pete said, and I've been saying, look, not everything is going to be completely perfect. And you look at the Patriots year in, year out, and I hate to use them as a model. But not everything on them is perfect, but you find a way to be imperfectly perfect. And you scheme around it, and you work around it. Um, we may be talking about linebacker and safety, where John Dorsey may be more inclined about a cornerback. Or that's, more defensive line. That's the big one. That's the big one, I think. Is, is corner it, it like if one's sitting there at 49 i don't see unless again unless they make a move that's the one where i don't see how they don't if somebody's that's sitting the, right there the like god forbid true. the guy who's who, who everybody finally seems to recognize justin lane if for whatever reason he's sitting there at 49 or, or maybe dorsey wants to go up and get him and we were talking about him what before christmas right that 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 uh if if they have an opportunity to get another corner you know, the corner more valuable than safety, more valuable than linebacker. That's the one that stands out. Defensive line, obviously, another option. But that's the one where, you know, if you're sitting there and you're going, if this guy's sitting here and, and the answer is corner, that's the spot I feel like John Dorsey's going to jump on. And even still, though, if it gets through the first 32 picks and he is not had his name mentioned. Um, Be surprised. You got Yeah. I bolt, and that's the other thing, guys. And we keep talking about this. Um I don't see him making it today, too. And it seems more and more, and, you know, the uh, the bigger parts of draft Twitter. And, guys, it's been fun. Uh, me, you know, me and Pete been sitting back and watching, you know, um, the guys at the Draft Network and some of the bigger names in the draft community. It's, it's, it, it's weird when they all, the bigger names all combat, but it, it, it's been going on here the last couple of days. And good luck with all that. I mean, just, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, you know, like, a, do your thing. Stay in your lane. I, I all, I, all I will say on this stuff is if you've been listening to the show and you're, you're starting to pick up on some of these things and you look at Twitter, you look at some of these articles written, I hope you just smile when you see some of these guys being mentioned high up and you're sitting there going, yep, I, I, we, I knew that was coming because you've been listening and you're, you, you, you understand the process we go through and, and how we look at things, and you're just sort of sitting there smiling, going, "Yeah, even the the bronze podcast already had that has me covered." Yeah, Jeff and Pete had that. It's not the guys with the check marks. It's not the guy with the two hundred thousand followers. Look, I mean, guys, I mean, we're doing our work. We're putting it in. That's you know what we do. Um, we're certainly not looking for. Whatever. I mean, you want to give us the credit? That's fantastic. But just listen to the show. That's all. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's fine. If we deliver the product, you listen. That's it. You know, and when we kind of tell you, oh wow, this guy should probably test the roof, and you know, like, and and Justin Lane, as we went through with it, the production is there, and then oh wait a minute, kid was a high school track guy, and Devin Bush, and you see the drills, and everybody put up, uh, you know, uh, you know the uh, the video from him doing the coverage drill. Oh, what a surprise! This is a guy we talked about, and we spent a lot of time on, and really, really good player. Trust us when we're wrong at will. That's fine. Because uh, they always know, will. They that's always that's will. fine. You never hesitate. Uh, but just even if it's just 
quietly smiling to yourself going, I already knew that. That's that's fine. Just keep yeah. listening. Yes, I mean, I'll take the little fist bump emoji in a tweet. That's all we need. Just something simple, guys. A little, little simple, a little, little slight semblance of recognition. But, guys, tomorrow night, uh, that should be a fun one because there's going to be a lot coming down the pike, as we talked about, with the Alabama Pro Day. Uh, we're going to get to hear, uh, uh, learn more about uh, Jalen Ferguson. Guys, he's a guy we think a ton of. Don't expect Montez Sweat numbers. And even if he does, just don't expect it because that's not the freaking norm. Um, and the thing with Montez Sweat is, you know, and God bless him. And whoever leaked the issue of whatever it is with his heart, uh, guys, many guys have gone through this at the Combine and said, look, we can't let you work out today. Montez Sweat was allowed to do everything. So I don't know where that exists or the legitimacy of it. And But, you know, obviously way, way off the Browns' radar it, right now. Right. Here's, here's my thing with that. If the heart issue was that bad that they let him run, it was the last time he was ever going to run. And they yep. basically said, look, go ahead and show off because you ain't going to be here long enough to do it. Um, it could be... You know, a murmur they found. It could be something, you know, that, that's corrected with a procedure that gets done the off season. I'm trying to think. Some the Browns had somebody uh, within the last couple of years that did that. Um, that had basically, you know, an off season sort of, uh, you know, heart procedure that, you know, is, I, quote unquote, small heart procedure as small as heart procedures can be. Uh, certainly smaller when they're not on you, um, but. It is the difference between, you know, being able to test that they're saying this is a blip. You should get it looked at to C.J. Conrad, who we, who we mentioned earlier yeah. earlier uh, at the time, was, you know, held out, not allowed to work out. Maurice Hurst. Maurice Hurst, obviously, last year, not allowed to work out because it was a serious enough concern. And then, you know, even when he got his second opinion, um, he's been cleared to play. A lot of teams refused to um, clear him. Obviously, that's how he ends up in the fourth round to Oakland, and, and and you know, obviously, we're hoping for the best that he can have, you know, a 10, 12, 10, 12 year career and 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 many years after that. Um, so, I, personally, I don't think Montez Sweat's situation has changed at all. Um, but you know, we'll see how it plays out. I, I don't think it's big enough where you're going to go, wow, Montez Sweat sitting there in round three. Should the Browns grab him? Type thing. He's going to be a first rounder. Uh, and and it'll get sorted out. And even still, if you're a team interested enough, you're going to explore this to nine. And uh, if anybody saw, I was tweeting today a little bit with Lance Erlin, and I said, does it help the Maurice, you know, that Maurice Hurst went through what he did, and it's not been an issue after year one for Montez Sweat. And, yeah, I mean, look, you want them to err on the side of caution. Sweat still worked out, and, I mean, guys, it's just freaking mind-blowing what he did um it's not gonna matter uh he's gonna be still be a top 15 player um pete's work over at uh nfl spin zone guys go over there read it um you know draft coverage browns coverage all that stuff the locked on browns twitter account always keep it a follow back you guys have been fantastic with that me personally at jeff underscore lj underscore lloyd go ahead and follow over there um guys this is where we're this is the fun here now over the next two weeks the pro days and getting the finalization on players that we don't know of. You know, some of these players, you know, the better players who had great combines, it's more of a, you know, handshake and, you know, talk with scouts, and there's not much information there. Those guys are already done. It's in the barn. They're done, and they are ready to, you know, start to proceed to late April to when their name is going to be called. But, you know, this is where we're at here now. Um, Still some free agency to be done. I'm not sure John's done yet. As I said, Duran, uh, Darren Lee is, is still a popular name. Somebody to have the interest in. You know John loves his reclamation projects. And especially a guy who spent his 2018 season on a four-year suspension. A four-week suspension, I should say. So there's a lot going on here. But uh, we're going to navigate it all the way through it. Tomorrow night should be a blast. Uh, it keeps going. Wednesday, Ohio State, uh, Boston College, uh, USC. Pitt, Notre Dame, that's all just on Wednesday. So this week just goes, and Georgia, all on Wednesday. So, yeah, a big, big week. And, and speaking of free agents, 
and Dominican Sue doesn't have a job, not that he should be in the market for Cleveland. Brandon Marshall doesn't have a job, the linebacker, not the receiver. Um, <laughs> who's a good player? I think Kayvon Webster is still sitting out there. You know, Eric Berry is obviously still out there. So, Trey you know, Boston. Yeah, Trey Boston is another one, and, and he's really With interesting. He, he's really interesting, you know, if the Browns are willing to say we're going to run, you know, effectively true free safety. But, you know, as much as free safety feels like, or free agency feels like, oh, we're, we're just getting to the dregs. No, there's a lot of really good players, and increasingly some of these guys tend to want to wait. Um, you know, obviously a great offer, they're going to take it now, but some of these guys want to see what the options are, you know, see how things go, and, and some of them get more money later if teams aren't able to address things in the draft or whatever. Uh, but like in Dominican, I wouldn't be surprised if he waits till you know, two weeks into camp type deal. So there's still – players out there obviously the Browns, or the Browns are a little bit limited in what they can do but they do have a lot in what in terms of what they can offer some of these guys you know if if they can sell sort of a jump on the bandwagon type thing you know let's see how good this can be to a guy like Brandon Marshall or whatever so you know still stuff that can happen well and for all of the all of you who want this put to bed before the draft yes Brandon Marshall or trade for Darren Lee bring in Trey Boston and there there you go you have everything done before the draft. I'm not necessarily sure that's the way this is going to go. And look, it, money is kind of getting tight. So that's going to be a big factor in it. But if you want this all done before the draft, that, that's the way you go. Brandon Marshall, you go or trade for Darren Lee. You bring in a, a Trey Boston, uh, our guy, Darren Smith, AAF, tearing it up with the pick sixes. Well, that that becomes an interesting part of its own. What is going to happen, you know, when that season ends? They haven't had this before, so mm-hmm. what 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 is that going to look like when the AAF season is technically over? Are, are we going like to get Charles Johnson, Garrett Gilbert? Because I know there's people asking about backup quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. Like, I don't even know, you know, how that process works. Like, uh, and that's something we're going to all learn together. Is you know, are, are guys going to be able to sort of – is there going to be like an, essentially an AAF tampering period where, you know, <laughs> they get to basically the playoffs of the league and you start hearing, you know, Team A is agreed with, you know, AAF player B, you know, as soon as their season's over or whatever. I don't know. Or or if it's going to be like, you know, one big wave where everybody's let loose or, or how that's going to work. Because the AAF wants – this is what they want to have happen. So that's going to be sort of a fascinating little – addition to this whole process and, and so it is a weird thing because it, it's always weird when something new comes and it constricts with the league and but there's gonna be a lot of players there who showed their wherewithal Carter Schultz baby bring it bring back the old German yes um Trent Richardson no. you can leave him there yeah he, he'll be in he is he is he's gone from 2.5 yards in a cloud of dust to two yards in a cloud of dust First. His jump, his jump cut yesterday, which I saw, looked like George Costanza jumping in the Jimmy shoes, <laughs> or when they dropped the Phil Rizzuto keys in the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he uh, he tried to jump sideways and it just sort of fell over. <laughs> First ballot AAF Hall of Famer, but guys, uh, you know, obviously tomorrow will be fun. Um, we're going to continue to bring you great stuff, but some great stuff today. Um, so that's a wrap here. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LLB. Let's go Browns.